keeping up, and I am. We are here. What's the date? The fifth. June fifth. June fifth. We're in Rockingham, AHDRA, and um, I get to sit here with Michael Beland. Yes, sir. All right. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that right. It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> All right. Now, anybody in the motorcycle world knows who you are, but let's back it up a little bit for the people getting into the sport, yet to be in the sport, or for the motorcycle enthusiasts that may not be in the racing part of it. Where'd you come from? What got you in the racing? Uh, I've had mini bikes and dirt bikes since I was four or five years old. I always had motorcycles. I uh, went to uh, took a little trip around the world in the Marine Corps when I was younger, and uh, I got out and I started a shop. And uh, I figured out five motorcycles could fit in the spot of one car. So okay. I had five motorcycles in my little house in one car. And uh, we've always raced. I, I bracket raced to start with at New England Dragway, my home track, uh, 93 and 4, I think. And uh, I made the world bracket finals with the team. We went to Maple Grove. I'd never been, like, other than the Marine Corps around the world, I'd never driven anywhere. And I started driving eight hours and six hours. Like, <laughs> I thought I was an experienced racer by driving <laughs> six hours. That's all changed now, of course. But, uh, yeah, we started bracket racing. and. Uh, I got out of it for a long time because uh, my son was four and five years old and he couldn't do anything on the tracks. The tracks we raced at in New England were very strict. You can't drive a mini bike or a pit bike or a go-kart or a golf cart until you have a driver's license. So the rules are very strict. And I went to Laconia and watched a dirt track motorcycle race around a circle. These guys were going by 100 miles per hour sideways and I'm like, this is really cool. And then all the little kids went out and did it on the front stretch. So the kids were included in the whole event. So. I sold all my drag racing stuff on old track racing for motorcycles uh, for almost seven years. Became a Grand National dirt tracker, riding XR 750s, 883s. Uh, immediately progressed through the sport to the top level. Never did great. I was too big. Uh, and then I moved to Florida. And when I moved to Florida, I bought a Crash Busa and got back into drag racing because Palm Beach Dragway was right there. And yeah, I've been there many that times. started my love again for drag racing. And when I got out of drag racing, we had the Turbo Kawasaki running mid-7s, uh, an older bike, but it was fun. But I lost all the fun of it because the starter cart and the tow cart and the tow vehicle, and the, it just was too much at that time for me. And I started dirt track racing, it was nothing, it was fun. Uh, going back to drag racing, it was a booster that I could push the button and start and drive to the track and run nines and drive it home, and I had started having a blast with it. Oh, wow. And that segued into this Harley-Davidson part <laughs> of my life. Now, with um, obviously we'll we'll get to the the bike that you're quote unquote famous for, <laughs> but um, what led you to? I mean, what what led you? Obviously, A1 cycles. So yeah. You do a lot of work there. So, um, tell us a little bit about that type of work you do. Uh, my shop is a full full machine shop, performance shop with dyno tuning. Uh, we do modern bikes mostly, but we will rebuild a shovel head or whatever. All machine shop work. 80% of our business is other shops. We oh, get, wow. They mail order the parts in, we do a cylinder head, do a board, do a crank, and mail it back to the smaller shops that don't have the machinery we have. So it's a good big part of my business. Plus we have three lifts that we do full builds on. You bring your bike in, pull the motor out, weld the crank, roll it, heads, tune it, and give it back to you completely done. Most shops can't do every step of the process. Wow, okay. okay. Wow, okay. Now the website and stuff, I'll have the links down in the description so y'all can go down there, make sure you support them. Um, the your bagger, Math Beth. Okay. Um, what what led to the creation of that? And then let's 
bring everybody up on the speed who may not know just how successful you were with that machine. Well, three years ago, we the bagger racing was starting to take hold, so I built a little gasoline bike with nitrous called uh, Plain Jane. It was a very simple motorcycle with an Evo motor and a five-speed. We were running uh, mid to high nines with it, and we won a championship with it. But I really wanted to step up to Pro Street, the next level, the next class up. So uh, I bought a newer M8, 17 up, for anybody that doesn't know, is the new modern Harley-Davidson M8. It's a four-valve head, like a Kawasaki or a Suzuki. So we can make really good power with them. And I put a big old turbo on it. And I put the big old turbo on it. And uh, I put a max ECU. That was the key to the whole thing. Uh, we got some chassis help from uh, Marcus McMahon, the M2 suspension. He helped me with the chassis forks and rear shocks. Yes, we have two rear shocks on there, like a sport bike. Uh, and we started experimenting with the Max. We were the first Harley to have a Max that ran throttle by wire. So we control the throttle blade opening when we launch. We control boost control. We control trash control. Uh, I had a laser on it so I couldn't flip over. I basically learned a lot from the Pro Street Suzuki guys and Kawasaki guys and took a lot of their technology put onto Harley. And we started running uh, our first AL, we only run a 902. I really wanted to run eights. Yeah. And it took us uh, a couple months to get in the eights. And once we got in the eights, it fell. It went to a 98, 68, 48, 38, 20. Uh, personally, I've been 814 on it at 179. Wow. And we put Richard RG5 on there, Ricky, Richard Gadsden, great guy. And he went 807. Um, with his smaller frame and body, we couldn't keep it from spinning in sixth gear. <laughs> So I think we could have been the first sevens, but we didn't do it. Uh, my partner, Andy Simon, did it a couple weeks ago. He ran a 798 twice Ooh. on a bike we helped with, and uh, he just shattered the roar record. He's the first bagger in the sevens. Awesome. Wow, very cool. Now, are you, gonna, are you looking to revisit that, or it's kind of like, okay, you've done that, let's move on to something else? I don't want to sound like a pompous ass, but I am. Uh, I've done everything I can do okay. in that class with the equipment I had. Uh, what people don't know, what people don't know is it's stock engine cases, stock cylinder head, stock transmission, stock, like these guys that are coming out running sevens and low eights now have pro stock heads, billet cases, like $100,000 motors. Mine was used hardly even to start. So there was a difference. But our frame also is uncut. The, the whole front of that frame, the whole frame, I could pull all the street stuff back on and go ride it. We never modified the frame at all. Oh, wow. It was one of the rules in Pro Street, so I just kept that when I stepped up to Outlaw. Very cool. All right, now we're out here at Rockingham, but you've got, new, you've got a new machine sitting out here. That's what my top here? fuel bike we've been working on. Uh, I bought it two years ago, and I immediately blew it up twice. Some awesome pictures. Uh, so I took a year to take it apart and redo the whole bike my way. And that has a max ECU on also, which is, uh, no one's doing that yet. Oh, okay. So we're controlling the whole bike with a max ECU. Uh, Jay Turner's been messing along with a fuel tech, a competing company, the max ECU, kind of the same thing, but different companies. And uh, with Steve Nichols' help, we're getting down the track. Last night was our first A to B, kind of. We went past 400 feet, and we found something else in the bike that's not working. The clutch cannon isn't releasing, but we hadn't been to that point to make it release yet. So we're there now, we're starting to chase the tune-up, and we're gonna get there. It's, uh, I'm so excited about that bike. <laughs> uh, you made a comment, and this isn't a plug, plug from Max ECU. This is just talking about the capabilities, since that's what you're using. Correct. It has 
in these interviews I'm doing, that name keeps coming up a lot. This so. is the issue. Anybody can make 500 horsepower, 1,000 You have to control it and get it down the track. It gives you complete control of everything. It, it's, it's amazing. And I hate, I tune motorcycles daily at my shop, and I hate going back to the tuning software we use for the modern Harleys because it feels like 1987 MS-DOS stuff. You know, just horrible compared to the modern Max and fuel fix. It just, it's like handcuffing you. Now you've, uh, you've got your crew with you. Who do you got helping you this? I have Eddie Frias and Josh Frias, a father and son from Myrtle Beach. Uh, they're awesome dudes. Uh, one's a 30-year GM tech with diesels and car, and the son is an electrical engineer. Wow. And he loves to work on stuff. So <laughs> you have to find a couple people that will travel around you and love to be dirty and get no sleep and work on stuff. Takes that teamwork, right? Yeah, it's uh, teamwork makes the dream work, but it's pretty brutal. <laughs> People don't understand 95 degrees, 95% humidity, and you got to get out there and change the clutch, which is already on fire from making a pass, change the oil and turn the bike around. It's, it's tough work. Yeah. Now, um, we were talking briefly before we come on. So now, with success comes the infamous trolls. So with the trolls and the hate and all that stuff, and we were, we were talking about you're not the only one to suffer from that. For people coming into this or people that start to get successful, um, a lot of the times people just say, well, just develop thick skin. What's your advice to people that be warned because with success comes this this negative side of it? How do you how would you suggest them deal with that? So. Just remember, no matter who you help and who you're around and what you do, there's always going to be negative people. And with this invention of a smartphone and the internet, it's easy for somebody to be negative in their underwear in Oklahoma sitting at their kitchen table. Where anybody that knows me will never say that to my face. And it's, that's the, the one thing I take away is, my girl Lori actually told me, if they wouldn't say it to your face, don't worry about it. And that's, that's a simple thing to take away. They can type all they want, a fake name, fake profile, whatever, or their real profile, but they're in, uh, you know, Kansas and they ride a Sportster, you know, and it's their daily driver and they don't race and but they're telling you how to race or what you did wrong or how stupid you are. It just, I wasn't prepared for it. I really wasn't. And, and, and I'm an honest person and I help a lot of people and I just, to get that reply back from people or get that shade thrown really bothered me for a long time until I figured it out. So you got it. You got past it. So. Yeah. I, um, I still revert back a little bit sometimes because if it's somebody, especially if I've known them for a long time or know them, yeah. that's different. If you know somebody, it's different. Uh, if you don't know nobody, if you don't know the person that says it, don't even worry about it. If uh -huh. they're not in your circle and not your friends or you don't race with them continuously, don't even worry about it. Okay. So, all right. So there's good advice for you there. So it's still, um, it's still tough. You know, you still sometimes you get a little stinger in there. You know. Because I even get it on my side, and I'm not a racer. I mean, I just do oh, media. Oh, the media's stuff. the worst. And you guys all some people hate my gut, so oh. I I don't I don't go after drama and I don't go after negativity. Yeah. So and somehow people don't like me because I don't do that. So I go figure. I was like, I'm sorry, I don't go that way. Um, we'll jump back a little bit. So do you come from a racing family? Um, I'd have to say no. Uh, my dad uh, left a note on the table left when I was 15 and did everything myself. Yeah. So. Uh, he did have cars, like fast cars and stuff, but that wasn't the motivation. Okay. Yeah. Brothers, sisters? Nope. Nope? No? Nope. So. And with uh, A1 Cycles, how long has that company been around with you now? September 18th, we'll have our 25-year anniversary party. So. Right. Yeah. And um, 
No project too small, no project too big, if they need you? Uh, yeah, we're um, working on a new patented thing. Okay. I'm gonna okay. drop. I'm gonna drop it on your podcast. <laughs> okay. Uh, it is for the bike industry, car industry, painting industry, machine shop industry. I have a patented product coming out. Let me just say this: if you have a gallon of fuel in a VP can, okay. and you have to pour that gallon of fuel into another VP can, it takes two people: one to hold the funnel, one to pour the can, makes a mess, it glugs everywhere. I have patented a device that snaps on the top of a five-gallon can. You just stand there and pour it, and it goes right in. All right, Cole. Justin Collier helped me. Another racer here, famous guy. Good man. Very, yeah. very good man. Helped me with the 3D design and all the um, all the CAD design and uh, what they call a step file. And right now it is in production. I've ordered 5,000 units. Oh, cow. And we're going to get a booth at PRI. Uh, the website's not even built yet. <laughs> uh, but wow. I trademarked the name and patented the product, and it's called the Drain Daddy. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it's, uh, if that does what it's supposed to do, we'll be just building cool choppers. We're going to go oh. back to our roots <laughs> <laughs> and build, build race bikes and cool choppers. All right, well, we're going to have more conversations uh, with this gentleman as the season continues on. And his phone was blowing up, and somebody was looking for him out here, so we're going to let him get back to work. Yeah, we're excited, man. We were, this is all new project and all new bike, and we actually got to 330 feet last night under power. And we're not working on electronics or systems anymore. We're actually working on the tune of the motorcycle. Okay. So now we're starting like it's a, a properly running bike, and now we just have to get down the track. So we're kind of excited for today. Very cool. Very cool. So. Now you made a comment early on, so um, about when you blow it up the first time. Twice. What was wrong? What, what did y'all do wrong? I bought the bike used. Okay. And immediately took it out. Oh, uh, okay. That was the first blow up. So there's some good advice for y'all. <laughs> if you buy a used bike. <laughs> Take it apart and redo it all yourself. Okay. Make, make it your bike. Okay. Unless it's a brand new bike or something that comes from, you know, it's a year old, it's been on the circuit for a year, and continuously used. Okay. Uh, mine had been sitting for a minute and was uh, a little bit outdated. Okay. Uh, I ended up, the ignition was very outdated and dangerous. It's an old fashioned ignition, so I put a modern ignition on it. And that modern ignition should not have been used for what I used it for. Uh, okay. And that melted the first engine. Uh, and the second time, we had the fuel system correct. Everything was correct. And we left that ignition on. We didn't know the ignition was the culprit. Ooh. So then we knew everything was correct. So then we knew the ignition was the culprit. Okay. That's what they say. Uh, in that invisible top fuel manual on page 12. <laughs> There's no manual for this, man. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a learning experience every time out. As long as you can keep it safe where you're not getting hurt and not spending 20 grand a week on motors, it's all good. Is Top Fuel something you always wanted to do? Oh yeah, I've been riding for six years. Uh, when I got back on that Hayabusa uh, and started going those nines, I immediately went to Johnny Victor's carburetor, Nitroscope. Okay. And uh, the reason I ride injected big bikes is Mark Connors. I was at a bike show in Daytona with Mark Con and Mark Connor was there and I said, You're Mark Connor? He's like, Yeah. I'm like, Where's Tafio Harris? He's like, Yeah. I said, I'm gonna go get my carburetor license at Johnny's and uh, I'm gonna start racing with you guys. And I was all like a little puppy, you know? And he's like gave me a beer and he said, Don't waste your time with the carburetor bikes. Get right on the big bikes. Because normally you transition through. Okay. And he was so right, I would have wasted three, four years of my life racing a carburetor bike around seven twenties and not been happy and I rode the carburetor 120 inch bike at John School, nice bike, 
you know, 760, 780, 780. And I'm like, well, when's this thing going to get going? And uh, <laughs> it just never really did it for me. But I went directly to, uh, I rode one of Jay Turner's bikes at Palm Beach on a test weekend. I ran a 708 on a shutoff pass. And then flew to California, rode Turner Jerios, And uh, got my NHRA license out in California. And then returned back five years ago. Ridden Carl Pelletier's bike, Red Ray's bike, uh, DJ's bike. I was with him for a couple of years. I love that guy. He taught me so much without teaching. <laughs> he's uh, he's quiet, but uh, he gets the job done. What's your out of all them so far? What memory really sticks out? Either a crazy weekend, fun weekend, racing with DJ. Okay. Uh, June 2016, we raced Bristol, Tennessee. We raced Bowling Green. And we raced Rockingham three weekends in one month. Woo. And we had bike issues and bike breaking. We won a championship, the MRA, in 2016. But at the end of that month, I didn't know if this was for me. It was 95 degrees. You know, race weekends are actually five days. It's not Saturday, Sunday. Uh, rebuilding the bike, MSD problems, electrical problems, crankshaft problems. As a rider coming in, I wanted to be the guy show up in my helmet and ride the motorcycle like Tom Cruise in Days of Thunder. <laughs> it didn't work like that. Yeah. You have to put the work in. And I, at the end of that month's stint, I didn't know if I had it in me. You know, and uh, I was like, man, this is really hard to do. And then we won that championship, and I was like, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I, I think a lot of people, it's, you, you have to put that work in. If you, well, if you they want don't. the success, you have to work. From the outside, it looks great in the pictures, flying down the track with the time slip and that. They don't see the arguments and the discussions and the tuning and like they have no idea what goes on behind the scenes. And even if you just came to a race and shadowed the team for a weekend, even a 460 team, they, they put the put the work in. Oh man. God, yeah. And uh, those guys are killer, you know. Pro street teams, you don't see them swapping motors between rounds, swapping transmissions. But take DME takes a whole motor out, size a whole motor, and no one even sees it happen. Goes in the trailer, comes back out, <laughs> run, and it runs perfect. Credit to them, you know. And they go out and back up the same number that they just ran. Uh, they're 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 machines, and uh, it's an incredible sport when the teams that do well have good people around them and focus on it. And I did recently sell my turbo bike to concentrate on this bike. Okay. So this is my only bike right now. And we're going to concentrate on this bike and make it go as fast as we can. Someone told me that uh, to be really good at something, only do that thing. Good advice. Yeah. Don't go be a competitive pistol shooter and while you're trying to race top your heart. You can't do both. Yeah. Concentrate on one thing and do it the best you can. Okay. Very cool. All right, we're going to let this gentleman get back to work, but we're definitely going to come back and talk to him again. I appreciate you sitting down with me, sir. Thanks, JT. Always a pleasure. All right, thank you. Son.